Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Amen. Ushers, you could go ahead and receive the offering. And if you could welcome our lead pastor, Joe Source. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, everybody. God's been good to us already today. You know, the Bible teaches us, especially in the Gospels, that Jesus would experience compassion for people. And when that compassion would would come over him, that compassion would release the power of God to deal with situations. Now, you realize that Jesus is not here in person, right? We realize that he's in heaven right now, seated at the right hand of the Father. Yes or no? Yes. And who's here on the earth? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. So the same compassion touches the Holy Spirit that touched the Lord Jesus Christ. So when an opportunity presents itself, as did just a few minutes ago, for you to receive from the Holy Spirit's power, to take you from a place of where you're under constant worry and concern and stress and anxiety to a place where um, it's not that you don't care anymore, you care very much, but you care enough to place the problem in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. because he can do stuff that you can't. Amen. How many of you realize that? Amen. He can do, he take, he can take care of things that you're trying to battle for years and years and years. And once it's placed in his hands, um, he can do that. But you see, it all is, it's based on trust. And so in a very real, real sense, when we refuse to trust him, and, and we don't do it, uh, we don't say to Jesus, I refuse to trust you. What we do is we act in such a way where we're not placing the situation in his hands where he's free to do what needs to be done. Amen. And we, we constantly talk about it and we're constantly worrying about it and we let it keep us up at night and we're, we're calling this person and calling that person and calling the other person and what do you think and what do you think and what do you think? What are we going to think? You're trusting in another faulty individual, someone who's flawed. I mean, we could take counsel with one another, but if the person, I mean, the best we could do is to, is to hear from the Holy Spirit and, and share with each other. But if we're depending more on what people have to say than us just going to the Lord personally and just saying, I can't do this anymore. I, I, don't, know what, I don't know which way to go I don't know what's the best way to handle this. This is consuming my life. Please take this burden. And then the peace that passes all understanding guards our hearts and guards our minds in Christ Jesus. Are you listening? Now, I hope you didn't come here this morning for a show, and I hope you didn't come here this morning just to to feel good. I hope you you came this morning because you had a desire to gather yourselves together with other believers to, first of all, worship God and praise him. And that's why we have praise and worship first in the service, because we need to give him thanks. We need to declare what we believe about him and his greatness. And we, we need to come together and say, thank you. Amen. 
And that's the part of the service that's for him. And then we come by faith and we're, we're, we're coming together to maybe receive some comfort or to receive direction or to receive um, a, a healing touch from God, uh, which can come through the word of God. But I, I hope you're not just coming to be entertained because I'm not a good entertainer. <laughs> you know, I have a face for radio. <laughs> and my intention is not to come here to do a tap dance for you. But my intention is to come here trusting that God has placed something in my heart to share it with all of us so that when we leave here today, we leave here a little bit better. Amen. 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 Impacted, 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 impacted. And sometimes you can be in a service, and I've had this happen plenty of times in my 35 years as a Christian. You can be in a service and maybe don't think you really necessarily received anything, and then all of a sudden you walk away and you realize, whoa, something's changed. Something's different. And you, it's an impact. People were impacted when they were around Jesus. Some of them didn't even know who he really was, but he impacted their lives. Amen. And so, so this weekend, I want to finish what I started last weekend, busting through to your breakthrough. And, 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 and a lot of that is like you, 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 bust, you're going to bust through. But, but we don't bust through to breakthroughs until we're really, really, really walking in the light of God's word, until we're really, really surrendered the whole situation to him, because he is the Lord of the breakthrough. Now, now, you can make this comparison. Uh, I, I, I've always, since, since the first day that I was born again, the first day that I really sat down and decided I was going to study this Bible, I've always been a really, really strong student of the Old Testament. And there was a time in my life that that wasn't such a good thing, you know, because the Old Testament is, you know, it's different than the New Testament. There's a lot of the way God dealt with people was very different in the Old Testament, the way he deals with the earth. But you need to balance. But you got to understand that the Old Testament serves for us as symbols and and types and shadows of what Jesus would be like when when he would come in their future. And I said that to say this. If you look at the the way that God directed Israel to fight battles, I'm talking about natural battles in the Old Testament, he would give them strategies that required them to depend on him. Some of those strategies made no sense whatsoever. What do you mean I got to wait till I hear the wind in a certain type of a tree before I move forward? Go read it. It's there. What do you mean you want me to put half of my people at the front gate of the city and then the rest of them come around? What do, you, what do you mean put the worshipers out first in front of the army? And then to, do you want me to get them all killed? What do you mean? God gives us different strategies because he wants us to trust him. Amen. And he's not playing mind games. All this life as a Christian is all about is trusting God. Because what was the very thing that mankind took away from God in the very beginning? Trust. Eve decided that she would listen to the lies of the enemy and allow those lies to formulate a picture in her that she could no longer trust her creator. And so they took the trust that they had originally enjoyed with God, Adam and Eve, trusting God. And all of a sudden they started to trust this outside voice. And our battle, the battle of mankind, has been just that ever since that day. 
is the battle of, are we going to listen to the stranger's voice? Or are we going to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Jesus made this statement in John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice. And then a couple of verses later, he said, and the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. This is what it's all about, church. It's about who are you listening to? What lies have you entertained? What limitations have been established in your life now based on the fact that you believe the lies of the enemy rather than the promises of God? Are you catching this? I'm going to skip around here. I'm not going to follow my notes. I am going to, in in a sense, but I'm going to skip around here because I sense that the Lord wants to go in a different direction today. All of us experience limitations, restrictions, obstacles. Some of you experienced them on the way here this morning. You might have had three kids in the back seat screaming like maniacs. And you probably threatened to pull over a couple of times. Depending on how far you live from here. I know that. Ask me how I know that. Because I raised four sons. And we made sure they were in church all the time. Didn't say it was easy to do that. But I said we made sure. And so even that can be a limitation. Because you, you might have come in here today and you're like... I want to enjoy the worship. I want to, but right now I'm so angry at this one or that one and the other one. So, so that formed a limitation on you entering into worship this morning. So I pray that that thing gets removed in the name of Jesus and that your heart now is free and open and clear to receive from the word. Now, we all experience limitations at one point or another. Joanna, where are you? This is for you after service. Okay, I'm holding on to it. There's only one entity in the universe that can limit God. And right away, you're thinking it's the devil. (laughs) No, it is not the devil. It is not the devil. There is only one entity in the universe that can limit God. Listen to Psalm 78. Psalm 78, I'm going to start in verse 40, is a kind of rehearsal or a repeating or a reciting of the history uh, of the Israelites coming out of Egypt, going towards the promised land. And if you've studied that, and I hope you will, and study the book of Exodus, because the book of Exodus is very much like, symbolically speaking, how you and I can conduct ourselves and the pitfalls that we experience and the stupidity that we involve ourselves in sometimes. In In our walk right now with God, as we proceed from the moment that you said, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior, to the moment that you take your last breath and leave this earth and step into eternity... That time period is your promised land. Uh, it's my promised land, okay? You might have grew up in a church where they sang songs about the promised land being in heaven. Honey, there's no giants in heaven. There's no Jericho in heaven. There's no armies for you to face in heaven. All of those enemies are here on the earth, okay? So Psalm 78, verse 40. How often they provoked him, God, in the wilderness and grieved him, in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God. And read this with me. One, two, three. Limited the Holy One of Israel. Verse 42, you don't have to repeat. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. They forgot about the Red Sea. They forgot about the miracles. They forgot about seeing the armies of Egypt destroyed and drowned in the Red Sea. 
They forgot all that stuff. And when they forgot all that stuff, they stopped trusting him. They started grumbling. They started complaining. They started doubting. They started saying to one another, oh, if we were just in Egypt again. It's amazing how you romanticize about your past. When they talk about the good old days. Can can I have a couple of tissues, please? When they talk about the good old days. How many times you slip into that, especially around people that, oh, I knew you when. And they want to bring you back to the good old days. Honey, if they they were never any good old days. Turn to somebody and say, they weren't that good. Go ahead. They were never that good. If they were that good, we would have stayed there. I made the mistake one time of saying to my father, for those who don't know my cultural ethnic background, I'm first generation in this country. My, parent, my father, born in Italy, came to this country as a young man. But, um, you know, you can't have that without experiencing the immigrant mentality. So when I had the chance to visit the area that my father grew up in, which was absolutely gorgeous, beautiful, I came back here. When I came back here, I remember having a conversation with him saying, how could you leave there and come here when it's so beautiful? And I told him about the different places I went to visit and stuff like this. He said, I left there to come here because I like to eat. (laughs) I like to eat. And as beautiful as it is over there, what good is it? Because you can't eat the beauty. And so, so you see, there's a tendency sometimes we have of romanticizing the pit. And I romanticized when I was there, like, why didn't, why didn't he just raise us here? I mean, this place is gorgeous. The beaches are beautiful. I mean, there's fruit every place you turn around. Everything is lush and everything's... But he was living in the reality of the past. The Israelites forgot about being slaves. They forgot, and they started talking about, man, if we could just go back, the melons we used to eat. The onions and the garlic. And all, and, but the truth of the matter is they were starving to death over there. So they forgot. And when you and I forget what God has done in our lives, we limit him in our future. They limited. This is the God that created everything that's seen and unseen. But he can only take them as far as they were willing to trust him they can only, he could only do the miracles in their midst that they were willing to believe and receive. Amen. And there's not one of us in this room that is living to the 100% fullness of the capacity of what the kingdom of God could produce in our lives and through our lives if we would just learn to continuously trust him. It's crazy to think that the king of the universe could be limited. How? Because they did these three things. They began to doubt him. God just brought us out here because there weren't enough graves in Egypt. No, the truth is there were a lot of graves in Egypt and they could have filled every one of them. Do you imagine that? Could you imagine that making that accusation to God after what he did? Judged an entire religious system of the Egyptian empire. Every one of those plagues, every one of those calamities that took place was a judgment against one of their gods. He moves and destroys the firstborn of every family so that he could ransom the Israelites and finally get Pharaoh to release them. He parts the Red Sea and two and a half to three million people walk across on dry ground 
with, and, 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 and the original language just describes it just as I'm going to describe it to you. It says that the walls of water congealed. It was like they were walking through jello on both sides. And you can imagine them walking through and seeing fish and sharks and all this other stuff just passing right by them. He did these spectacular things. They get to the other side, and within three days, they're complaining. We don't have anything to eat. We have no water. This water stinks. It smells. It's... I've said a time ago, God, thank God that I am not you, or there would have been three million Israelites' bones in the desert <laughs> like this. Bam. You're com- I did all this, and you're complaining about water? And you want to go back to... If I was Moses, I'd have went... We're going back. I'm, going, I'm dropping you off, and then I'm coming back here by myself. They limited him. And if you and I are not careful, listen to me. We limit him in our lives. Let me tell you a story. It's found in the book of Judges, chapter 6. Many of you are familiar with the story. I'm going to try to bring us through this without taking three hours, Okay. It's the story of a man named Gideon. Gideon is a young man in a family that was not so, I don't want to say reputable. Yeah, they didn't have a good reputation. <clears throat> they belonged to one of the smallest tribes of all the tribes of Israel. At this time in the history of Israel, the Israelites, it's not going too well. Um, Joshua's off the scene, he's died. There's a series of judges that are now ruling the land. And because they did not stay faithful to God, their enemies have been allowed to overwhelm them. In verse 11, now the angel of the Lord, and you notice angel is capitalized there, and you'll find out who this really is in just a few minutes. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under a turban tree, whatever that is, in the land of Oprah. Not where Oprah Wintry come from, but Oprah. <laughs> which belonged to Joash, the Abizarites, and now we're starting to find out what family, while his son threshed wheat in the wine press. I'm not going to talk about that right now. Let's just read through this because that is extremely important because him threshing wheat in the wine press tells us a lot about his character. And he did this in order to hide it from the Midianites. The Midianites was a very powerful tribe. They're actually, if I remember correctly, and I think I do, they're actually descendants of Ishmael who was the son of Abraham through his wife's servant girl, Hagar, right? And so this is like family squabbles. They're cousins, but they don't like each other. And the Midianites were constantly used by the enemy to harass the Israelites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now that's a joke. And I might as well tell you now why it's a joke, because you see, you can't thresh wheat in a wine press. A wine press, and I know you probably all have one in your backyard, a wine press by nature has to have walls around it so you don't lose all the grape juice that you're squashing with your feet. So you've got to have at least two or three feet, possibly even four feet of a stone wall around this wine press. In order to thresh wheat, you need wind because you have to stomp on the wheat, crack the wheat kernels, 
toss them up in the air so that when the wind comes by, the wind will take the very light particles, remove them, and what falls to the ground is the kernels of wheat that you're going to take, grind them to make flour. If you're in a place where you have a wall surrounding you, you are blocking the breeze from taking away all the particles. So it's an act of insanity. You're just going to keep flipping them up in the air, waiting for it to happen, and it doesn't happen. Why? Because he's a coward. He's scared to death to do this in the sight of the Midianites because what the Midianites would do, which is a very, very clear symbol uh, of how the enemy operates in our lives, the Midianites, just like all the other tribes around, would wait until Israel produced their harvest and then they would attack. They would wait until there was something to steal from them that was valuable. Just like when you get a raise on your job, and then a week later, your car breaks down. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That's you, you think you got ahead. And then all of a sudden, the, the washing machine breaks. You come home, and there's water all over the kitchen. or where, where the, How many know what I'm talking about? And you go, are you kidding me? I can't catch a break here. That's the spirit of the Midianites. Wait until you've got something, and then it would come. And just come down, and it's described in the word like locusts. And just cover the ground. Cover, the, cover the, the land of Israel and take everything they had. So he's trying to hide. So we, know, we don't have a guy here who's like, this isn't your Rambo type. And the angel of the Lord shows up and calls him what? A mighty man of valor. You say, what's valor? Courage. And I could picture this, I don't know, I picture this because I don't know, maybe it's just my, my mind the way it works. I picture... When, when the angel of the Lord, who's really the Lord Jesus Christ, in, pre-incarnate, before he is born in Bethlehem, okay? Because, you know, Jesus always was, always is, always will be, okay? He, didn't, he wasn't created in Bethlehem. He showed up in Bethlehem. But he always is, okay? So, so it's the Lord Jesus shows up and says to Gideon, you mighty man of courage. And I can picture Gideon going... Who walked in? Who, who are you talking to? And so now let me read you the rest of this, and we see the dealings here between the Lord and Gideon. Gideon said to him when he called the mighty man of valor, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us. Listen to this. But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Is that true? No, it's not true. They delivered themselves into the hands of the Midianites by not staying with God, by not trusting in God, by, 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 by worshiping idols. They opened the door for the Midianites to come in. Now, now listen to how foolish he must have felt later because he's saying the Lord has forsaken us and who's standing in front of him? The Lord. So is it true that the Lord has forsaken them? No, right. He's right there on the scene. And so now, watch what happens. Then the Lord turned to him and said, isn't it amazing that the Lord had to turn to him and say, because Jesus probably turned around and started laughing. <laughs> oh, the Lord's forsaken you. And then turns back and says to him, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Now, that sounds real familiar. That sounds like 
God's conversation with Moses when Moses is going to get sent to Egypt to rescue God's people. Moses started making excuses, just like Gideon is going to start making excuses. And then God says to him, you tell him I am sent you. And the Lord said, oh, excuse me, I've got to go back to verse 15. So he said, he, Gideon, said to, to the Lord, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, the tribe. And I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, this is the thing you need to remind yourself constantly. Surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now, Gideon had some justifiable concerns. These Midianites are fierce, fierce, fierce soldiers. Merciless. They had no pity on anyone. We know that he's fearful. We know that he's frightened because we know what he's doing in the wine press there. The fact is he did come from one of the smallest tribes in Israel. One of, out of one of the weakest families. And he's the smallest out of that family. And then the angel shows up and calls him mighty man of courage. And then a principle is established again that we've seen even in the book of Genesis. God never calls you according to your present day reality. He always speaks of you according to your future potential. Abram went from Abram, father, to Abraham, father of nations. He changes names in order to establish our potential. Are you catching this? Yes. So, Gideon has this encounter with the angel, which is Jesus. And really, we shouldn't even use the term angel because that could get confusing because Jesus is not an angel. That word angel there really should be translated messenger of the Lord. And I believe it, it's, it's that way in the book of Malachi. So, Jesus reveals the plan of God for the Israelites. Gideon, God's going to use you to rescue Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And if you'll stick with me and you'll allow me to work through you, we'll accomplish this thing. And immediately, Gideon raises every concern and every excuse why he shouldn't be the one to do this. I think I did that for 11 years. I knew in 1984, 85 that I was supposed to pastor a church. And I kept making excuses. And they were pretty good ones. <laughs> I had a business to run. My wife and I started having children like rabbits, <laughs> one after the other. Kids needed to be raised. We didn't have the money. How am I going to go? What am I going to do with my business? And that, God tolerated that for about 11 years. And then the heat really turned on. And when the heat turns on, you lose the excuses. And that's what happens in Gideon's life. But remember this. It's this kind of growth that you experience because I know there's some of you in this room right now who might be listening to this in the future. You're feeling the heat. You're feeling the pressure. Now, I pray that God gives you the ability to discern whether it's self-imposed pressure or whether it's pressure that's coming from the Holy Spirit. 
But there's some of you that God is starting to deal with you about stepping out to the next level. I'm talking about serving God, your next level of being serious about God, the things of God, the next level of allowing him to use you to further his plan for your family, for wherever, whatever sphere of influence that you have. But you've got to be able to discern, are you putting the pressure on yourself or is the pressure being put on you by the Holy Spirit? And when I say pressure, it's an uncomfortability. You listening? It's an uncomfortability, like a scratching, an itching on the inside. There's, there's got to be more. There's gotta, I lived with that voice on the inside. There's got to be more for probably five years. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. Abraham, a man that God promised a son to when he was already 75 years old. I want to give you this because I want you to know what it's going to take to break through to the next level. Let me just read this to you. Many of you are familiar with Abraham's life. 75 years old, God promised him he's going to have a son at 75. I don't care how many vitamins you've taken. I don't care how much you've exercised. That is going to require a supernatural act of God. Can I get an amen? amen? If that wasn't bad enough, it's 25 years later when this actually happens. Dear Jesus. Okay. So we're dealing with physical limitations here of age. But the idea is this, if you continuously look at your limitations, you are going to completely extinguish the supernatural ability of God to operate in your life. Amen. Romans chapter 4, verse 19, and being not weak in faith, could you say that with me? Not weak in faith. He, Abraham, considered not, say that with me, considered not his own body, now dead. I don't know how much clear God can make this picture here. When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. If it wasn't, I mean, you know, we're talking about a 100-year-old guy that's got maybe a 30-year-old wife. But they're both way up there in age. And if she couldn't produce when she's 50, because the Bible tells us she, she was barren. If she couldn't produce when she's 50, what makes you think she's going to produce when she's close to 100? I mean, God was removing any possibility that there was any natural remedy for this problem. Amen. Now watch this. Now. He's not weak in faith, which tells me that he continuously built up his faith because faith will run out of you like a sieve if you don't continuously build up that faith. Amen. And he didn't consider, he wasn't going to even allow into the equation the fact that his wife has been barren since the day they got married. Verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he was able also to perform. It's going to take that kind of faith. It's going to take that kind of determination. Listen to me. Look at me. I don't know if you just came here this morning... Just nothing else to do, but listen to me. It's going to take that kind of tenacity. Say, I don't care what it looks like in the natural. 
I don't care what my background has been like. I don't care of the lack of education. I don't care what color I am or what color I'm not. I don't care how much money I have. I don't care about what kind of education I have. I am not considering any of those things because if God said it's going to happen, guess what? It's going to happen. And until, until you get to that place, you are not going to break through into the next level. The Israelites wandered for 40 years because they couldn't, they, couldn't, they couldn't muster up that kind of faith. How do you figure this? You were the guys that saw the Red Sea split. You were the guys that saw Moses take a tree, throw it in the water, and the water that was poisoned now became perfectly Perrier water that you can drink. How do you get to that place? It's because all of a sudden, it wasn't special anymore. They forgot. Psalm 78 comes into play. They forgot the power that they had seen. And some of us in this room, you forgot what it was like the day after you woke up when you prayed that prayer for the first time. You forgot how spectacular all of a sudden life became. You forgot the sense of awe when you realized your sins had been forgiven. You forgot what it was like when God healed you. You forgot what it was like when God delivered you. You forgot what it was like when God supernaturally provided for you. You said thank you at the time and you went on with life. And if you're going to move, and if you're going to bust through to any of the, into the breakthrough area where you're busting through into the next thing God wants to do, you're going to have to stir yourself up on a regular basis. You're going to have to remind yourself. And listen, you can't depend on other people reminding you. Because how many of you had things happen in your life that they blew your socks off, but when you told them to somebody else, they went, oh, that's nice. <laughs> now, you can't get mad at them. They're not the ones that were staying up at night praying. They're not the ones that were sweating. They're not the ones that were believing. They're not the ones that were praying. It was your miracle. You've got to stir yourself up. You've got to remind yourself of what God did. And you've got to resist the temptation. They say, well, you know, what's the matter with God? You know, I remember when he did this. Well, how come he's not doing it now? Stop that. You are limiting the Holy One of Israel. Now, I don't know where the time went, but I got to wrap this up. Can you settle this in your heart? Because I think this is going to answer some questions for some people. Do you realize that God has answers to the questions you haven't even asked yet? Yes. Let that settle for a while. I don't think you got it settled in you. Stuff that you don't even know you're going to need answers for, he already has the answer. Stuff that you're going to face tomorrow, 10 years from now, he already has a solution. Listen to this verse of scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah 45, 3. God's speaking through the prophet to the, Israel, to the Israelites. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, and the God of Israel. He said, I, I, I'm going to show you things you don't even know you need yet. Because, you know, one of the most dangerous positions that you and I could be in is not knowing what we don't know. 
Because then stuff can sneak up on you because you don't know what you don't know and what you're going to need in the future. But God says, I've got those answers. I've got treasures hidden in darkness. Now, darkness can be symbolic of a lack of understanding or, or ignorance or you know, lack of wisdom. It's, those areas could be dark to you. Until the word of God shines light in those areas, we can be ignorant of those things. And yet, and yet some of us are concerned that we don't have answers to things. And instead of looking to him, you're knocking your head against the wall trying to figure it out yourself. He says, I've got those things hidden Amen. in darkness. Now, I can't see in the dark, but God can. Yes. I don't know where to find the supply of the solution, but he does. So my secret is, listen, my secret is not so much trying to figure it out myself. My secret is to hook up with him because he knows where they are. I don't know what better illustration I can give you but this one. Two weeks ago on a Wednesday night, at least two weeks now ago, we had the teenagers come here, the youth come and take over and did the service on Wednesday night. My grandchildren were here. My son, Michael, Pastor Mike, who's the worship leader, his, his, his sons were here. His youngest one, who just celebrated his eighth birthday, was here. And at the end of the service, I meet him in the lobby out there. And he comes over to me. And I don't know if any of you know Little River. I told my son, you need to send this kid to law school when he grows up. <laughs> he looks at me like this. Pop, pop. There's no more chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> you know the look I'm talking about? How do you not respond to that? So I said to him, come with me. And I start walking him through, through the warehouse to get next door. And we walk in, and the lights are off, and he says to me, Pop up, it's dark in here. I said, That's okay, River. I'm with you, and I know where the cookies are. <laughs> you catching this? You, some of you were walking in areas that you never walked through before, and it's darkness. And if you'll grab a hold of his hand, let me tell you, he knows where the cookies are. He walked back a real happy little boy. <laughs> what am I saying? I'm saying this. Get your eyes off yourself and get them onto God. Amen. Get them off yourself and get them onto God. You listening to me? Yes. Gideon is paralyzed with fear. But once, listen, because you see Gideon in chapter 6 is very different than Gideon in chapter 7. Gideon in chapter 6 is still paralyzed with fear. But he allows the Lord to walk him through a series of events that causes Gideon to finally start seeing himself the way the Lord called him, a mighty man of courage. To the point where the one who came from the weakest tribe, from the smallest family, and the smallest from the family, is able to gather around himself over 30,000 troops. You don't do that unless you've gotten a picture on the inside of who God says you are. Amen. And then God comes to him and says, there's too many people. Because if you win this battle with this many troops, Israel's going to say, we did this on our own strength. He says, make an announcement, tell everybody that's scared to go home, and he loses 20,000 troops. Thank God he lost them then. Because they would have cost him the battle on the battlefield. And... 
I hate to say it, but some of you are going to have to lose some troops. But when you need them the most, they're going to fail you. And it's better for you to lose that now and trust God than for you to fall in the battle. Now God says to him, you still got too many. He said, I'm going to give you a formula. Now watch this. We're talking about getting our eyes off of us and getting them on God. Are you listening? If you want the breakthrough. And so he says, I'm going to give you a formula. Bring them all down to the water. And he says, the ones who plant, just face plant in the water and drink the water like a dog, send them home. The ones who will take the water with their hands and bring it up to their mouth, those are your troops. Why? Because the ones that are looking with their face in the water are constantly watching their reflection, constantly obsessed with who they are. They are not alert. They're concerned with drinking, but they never lift their heads up to see, am I being attacked? Is the enemy coming? Are they coming over the next hill? The ones who, who kneeled there and allowed, they brought the water up while they're watching, they're alert. They're sensitive to what's going on. And with 300 troops, Gideon defeats an army that was supposedly like locusts and covered the land through the power of God. God is not looking for, I hope this doesn't hurt anybody's feelings, but God cannot use self-centered people. God cannot use people that are just in it for what they can get. And just, wow, my hair really came out good this morning. You know, I look pretty good. I've never never seen my, you know, I look pretty good in this armor. God's looking for the ones that are like, I'll take what I need because I need to survive. But I got my eyes open and I'm watching and I'm not ignorant of the enemy's devices and I'm sensitive to the voice of my shepherd and I hear him and when he he speaks to me, I obey. That's the one that God's looking for. Are you listening to me? Wherever you fall in whatever category, to whatever extreme in those categories, I pray that the Holy Spirit reminds you in areas where you're demonstrating some self-centeredness. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. Well, enough about me. What do you think about me? You didn't get that one. God's looking for those he can use to break through the restrictions that the enemy is putting on your life. Because listen to me, when you break through the restrictions that the enemy is putting on your life, now you become an asset to everyone around you. And that's what he's interested in. Amen? Amen. Stand up. We got to go. I'm going to hear about it already. I don't want anybody leaving. I don't want anybody moving around unless you absolutely have a medical emergency. I want to pray for us. But I want you to promise me that you're going to open up your heart and receive this prayer. Can you do that? Lift one hand up to God. I don't care which one it is. Just lift one up and just say this with me. Father... In the name of Jesus, I make myself available this day to be like one of Gideon's 300 soldiers. I want to be alert. I want to be sensitive. I don't ever want to be taken by surprise. I want to hear your voice clear. And I want to have a heart that's obedient to your voice. In the name of Jesus, Jesus, 
I thank you that with your power and with your guidance, I am breaking through every restriction, every limitation, every obstacle on my life. I want to see, experience, enjoy the treasures that are hidden from me in darkness. I'm taking you by the hand. You show me where they are. Lead me and guide me into all truth. I receive this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, go do it. Go start trusting him. Go start leaving things in his hands. Go start reminding yourself of the things that he's done in your life in the past. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you. If you need any prayer for anything else, come on up. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.